0: Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. 40, actually, in beginning in chapter 30 as well. So we've been in this series, this is week three, we are studying the life of Joseph. Joseph is a great example of what it looks like to be an overcomer in life. We began the journey as Joseph experienced some major, major hardship. He had a very bad start in life, uh, as many of us have dealt with. He had a dysfunctional family, no hands raised right now, but he dealt with a lot. He had his brothers that were jealous and envious and hated him. He was treated with favoritism by his father, and it it, it just went from from bad to worse in his life. His brothers decided they were going to murder him, and then they decided to sell him as a slave. And so there's 17-year-old Joseph Heading down to Egypt and sold to Potiphar, who was a uh, who was one of the uh, the generals of the army of Egypt. There is a a key verse that sort of weaves throughout the journey of a Christian's life, but also we see it played out in Genesis in, in Joseph's life. It is Romans chapter eight, verse twenty eight. It's a verse that I would encourage you to memorize, to underline, to tattoo on your body, get it somehow in front of your life and your soul so that you can understand that these are the promises that God has for us. Paul says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Joseph chose to rise above his circumstances, overcome enormous obstacles. He's betrayed, abandoned, accused falsely, last week we looked at, of a sexual assault. He was imprisoned and forgotten, and now we deal with overcoming discouragement. It's hard to keep pressing on when you keep getting pounded by waves, right? It's like, okay, I can make it through this difficulty or this trial, this struggle, and then another one comes. And then another one shows up. And you just feel like your life might be kind of like hopping from one trial or difficulty to another uh, in, in your life. And, and, and that's a reality for a lot of people. It's been said that, you know, um, you're either getting ready to head into a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're in the midst of one right now. But they certainly are part of all of our lives as we see it in the life of Joseph. He wanted, uh, or excuse me, he was waiting on God. He certainly thought as he began to excel in Potiphar's house that maybe this is now his new journey, right? And he was he became really the second person, the most important person in that household. And yet, more trials continued to come. It's hard to see in the midst of it that God is moving and He's weaving together a story. He's orchestrating everything in his perfect plan and his perfect timing, and yet We get sort of overwhelmed and we can become discouraged, forgetting that God is accomplishing his eternal will for our lives when the trials keep coming. He's in this prison now. Uh, Last time we saw Joseph, again, he was a slave in Potiphar's house, and he was in charge of everything. In fact, uh, I want you to go back with me, chapter 39, verse 40, and uh, excuse me, chapter 39, verse 19. You're like, my Bible's missing, verse 40, you must have got a discounted one out of the connection center. It says this, it, So the, the the backdrop is that Joseph's uh, master's wife, uh, Mrs. Potiphar, uh, she she cast her longing eyes on him, and she continued to try to seduce him, and he continued to refuse her to the point where he actually ran out of the house one day, left his cloak, kept his integrity and character, and then she accused him of trying to you know uh, to to take advantage of her. And it says in in verse 19, "...as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But notice this, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison." And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them into custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. The result of Joseph overcoming temptation was prison time. Hard to remember that God is working all things out for good when you make a right decision and it causes more struggle and pain for your life. He had denied her advances, she accused him of the assault, and yet he got rewarded with prison. He had overcome the cruelty of his brothers, right? The bitterness, the temptation to be bitter and to try to to get them back. Uh, He didn't become a victim though. He didn't have a victim mentality, where, where this is what's happened to me and this is why I, I act the way I do or I lash out at people because you don't know what I've gone through. He didn't excuse poor choices because he was done wrong or he had a bad start in life or he didn't allow himself to get bitter against the Lord, which a lot of people do. They go through hard times. And they say, how could a God of love allow this to go on in my life? I'm tempted with those thoughts. I'm sure you are as well as you walk through different st- struggles and pain. He did not get bitter. There's a verse in 1 Peter that Peter wrote to a a group of Christians that were being heavily persecuted because of their faith. They were struggling because they were followers of Jesus Christ. And Peter reminds them, like, listen, you're gonna get in a lot of trouble and turmoil in this life because of your faith. He says, For what credit is it if when you sin or you do something wrong and your government Uh, it says, and you're beaten for it. What credit is it if you do something wrong and you endure it? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Joseph kept enduring. Joseph kept overcoming. The Lord was sustaining him, and I would imagine that when we talk to Joseph one day that we'll see that he Prayed a lot during this time, where he was in prison, and then sent to uh, uh, after being enslaved with Potiphar. His attitude was never bitter or seeking revenge. He kept doing right, but when you keep doing right, you can get discouraged. You can you can suffer and go, God, why is this keep happening? Why are these things? Why am I dealing with these things? He 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 ran the whole show now, right? So the prison warden's like man, dude, the Lord has blessed you and I want you to take over and then I'm going to actually get all the credit. Who works for a person like that? None of the RVC staff is in here raising their hands. (laughs) But the Lord is, you can see this whole thing playing out, right? so easy to look back on life and go, oh, I see how the Lord did this and did that. But in the midst of it, chapter forty. He's discouraged. He'd been there for some time. It is a 13-year journey from the moment that he is sold into slavery to the moment he steps in the palace that we read about next week where he becomes the the prime minister, if you would, of, of Egypt and the world power of the day. When you trust God in the process of growing you through trials and difficulties of life, if you reject becoming bitter, your life will become actually better. You'll become a person that God is molding you to be. You'll have a deeper faith, and it's something that we see happening in Joseph's life. But now we go, how does he overcome discouragement? How do we overcome discouragement when we feel like that we're in this, you know, this prison, if you would, this place where we can't get unstuck or we can't change our circumstances? Certainly that was, for Joseph's life, a reality. There's a, a few things I want you to think about today. Some things to remember, if you would, when you are in that place of discouragement and you feel like that trials continue to come your way. Number one is this. Overcoming discouragement, we see in Joseph's life, how he was able to, is that you remember that the Lord is with you. We read that over and over in chapter 39, didn't we? That the Lord was with him. His steadfast love was on him and for him. His favor, his hand of favor rested upon young Joseph's life. People ask a lot of times, where is God in the midst of a difficult struggle, right? I mean, he's right there with you. He's right in the middle of it. Remember that uh, maybe you guys had the, the little, uh, maybe you had a grandma like I did that had the sort of the, the poem, the little cheesy poem, you know, "Footprints in the footsteps in the sand or something like that. Is that what it is? Did anyone write that, by the way? It's a great, it's a great one. And it's like, how come I only see like, you know, one set of footsteps, you know what I mean? And this guy's complaining about his life, says, oh, because that's when I was carrying you. And you're just like, oh, bring out the Thomas Kincaid painting right now. Just made me all warm and fuzzy when I read that. There's a reality to it. God is near us in the most difficult circumstances if we open our eyes. The Lord was with him. The reason he continued to overcome, by the way, was because the Lord was with him and the, his love was upon him and his favor and his presence was there. And God wants to be that for you too when you face that difficulty that you feel like, man, I'm just getting discouraged now. I don't know how to overcome it. Remember that God is with you. And though others abandoned him, the Lord did not abandon him. You know, some of the closest moments in a believer's life are in those moments of difficulty and trial, when the closest moments to God are in the midst of difficulty and trial. A lot of people have testified, hey, I went through this horrendous trial last year, and what I found was that, though I wouldn't wish that kind of difficulty upon anybody else, I found that I had a closer walk with God than in any other time in my life. Have you found that to be true too? You found that the way I find that your prayer life starts ramping up, the more pressure starts showing up in your life or the more worries and anxieties you have for your loved ones. That's what's going on in Joseph's life. The Lord is with him. The Lord is with us. It's a time in your life when you face those kind of trials. You're in it. You're in the prison of discouragement. Remember the Lord is with you and practice shutting out the noise from all the other prisoners. Shut out the noise of your life and press into the Lord like never before. Tell him you're discouraged. Draw near to him and learn to hear from him in that time of waiting for what's next, God, to get you out of this situation or circumstance. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Do you find that you keep having the same kind of recurring problem or struggle and you just go like, I feel like this is like, uh, you know, groundhog's day. You wake up, it's the same thing over and over again. Maybe because you and I aren't learning the lessons that God wants to teach us. And so the Lord's like, okay, let's suit up. Here we go, round three. Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to learn? You're with me. Speak to my heart. Show me what you want me to learn so I can actually grow in this time of difficulty. Years ago, I've shared this story before. I used to uh, have the privilege of... of Becoming a Christian at People's Church in 1988. I was an embryo at that time. I was actually 18 years old. And, uh, and they had a big missions conference, and he invited this pastor from China um, who, who shared about his time of being um, in prison because of his faith and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his job in prison was to actually go into the, um, the cesspool and move the human waste along towards the river. I mean, nobody volunteered for that job. So he got, that, he got stuck with that job, primarily because he was a believer and a pastor. And he shared about that story. He shared about how that, that time in his life became the sweetest part of his day. Certainly none of the guards wanted to be around him because of what he was doing. But he shared, uh, this is years back, man. This is probably 1989 he was there at our church. And he talked about, it was in that moment that he would sing this old hymn in the garden. And and the words of the hymn, and I just remember, I could still hear his voice saying it. And he said, I would sing out to the Lord, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share As we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's a reality. When you're in it, as that guy was waist deep in it, right? God is in the midst of those difficulties. In the prison of discouragement, God is there. We see that God is also working in in Joseph's life because now we get introduced to these these two fellas, the baker and the cupbearer. It's almost like the way a, a joke starts out, Right? There's these three guys: the cupbearer, the baker, and Joseph. And they all walk into a bar. Let's see what happens. Verse five: a coffee bar. And one night they were both dreamed, and and one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to see them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in, with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, it blossomed, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And, you're, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me, Joseph says, when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. Hey, put in a good word. Tell him, I'm here. It's not my fault. I was falsely put in prison. He says, uh, and so get me out of this house. Notice what Joseph says about his journey. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he's like, hey, Joseph, I also had a dream, and here's my dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is his interpretation. Do you have direct friends who are just direct with you? Hey, does this outfit look good on me? You have a liar friend that tells you, oh, you look amazing, right? Some of you might be married to one of those liar friends, but they don't want to get in trouble. That's why they don't say anything. Joseph's just direct. This is the kind of, maybe not you want to be married to a person like this, but you need a friend like this in your life. He says, this is his interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. And notice he didn't say please remember me when you get out of this prison. He's like, "Hey, yeah, that's what's going to happen." And on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. But notice this, verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. We read in verse one of chapter 41, and it was two years longer for him in that prison. This is a difficult season for Joseph's life. We get introduced to the baker and the cupbearer. Now Joseph's making his rounds and he sees them disturbed. It's like, you guys look different today. Like, what's going on? It seems that someone had been trying to assassinate the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, and so uh, these two guys were to be the closest to him, had the most direct access to him to actually protect his life from being poisoned or or what have you. And so both of them were put into prison because they were responsible, uh, and one of them obviously was a part of that conspiracy. They both were disturbed with their dreams. And now we see Joseph using his gift from God to discern what the Lord was revealing. Um, dreams. Dreams are kind of weird, right? Sometimes you have dreams, you're like, what is the Lord trying to tell me? He's trying to tell you don't go to Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night and have a burrito and a tostada because you're going to have bad dreams. Uh, I've had dreams. I wake up, i like, what in the heck is going on? One time I had a dream that I was actually stepping in the octagon in the, in, in the UFC. And, and I was just me, exactly like me right now. And I'm like going, I did not ask for this. Why are you guys putting me in this cage right now? And then I'm about to fight somebody or get beaten, knocked out. And then I wake up. I told the, the staff and David this week, Dave Simbel was leading worship this week. We're so blessed to have him. And uh, I had a dream that I looked at our planning center and I'm going, how come David isn't doing any Christmas songs? It's Christmas this Sunday. This is my, these are the things I'm dreaming about. I wake up the next morning, I'm like, I gotta tell Hannah, we gotta get, at least get one hymn in there, and then I'm like, it's gonna be March 1st, we're good, we have some time. Do you have weird dreams like that? We all have dreams that are weird. God doesn't speak to us in dreams, although I believe He can. We have His Word, we have His Holy Spirit now, but in those times, God would often speak to not only uh, children of God, you know, followers of Jesus, um, and, and, and people in the Old Testament, Certainly Daniel was a man who God had gifted with dreams and interpretations. But but Joseph, now, you know, looking at these guys. And they used to have access to the wise men in Egypt, but now they're stuck without anyone to discern for them the meaning. Here's Joseph with compassion. I love it. He, He hasn't let life harden him yet. You know what's hard? It's when you go through difficult times. You're wrong so many times in life. You get wounded and hurt. Sometimes it's hard to look past your own pain, isn't it? And actually be compassionate and be Jesus to somebody else. It's important that we don't let the wrongs and wounds keep us back from being Jesus to another person. Here he uses his position uh, as as the the person who ran the prison to actually serve these guys. Because he knew that God had answers for these troubled souls. Here's Joseph's question. Hey, do not all interpretations belong to God? Joseph understands that God is the, the, the resource for not only strength, but also wisdom. And we will see that God will use that knowledge that he has of God later on when he actually stands before Pharaoh. We talked about how do you overcome discouragement? Well, one, Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. So we overcome discouragement by remembering that God is with us, whether we're in the pit or the palace, right? Here's a second thing I want you to note with me is that sometimes in God's kingdom setbacks are really just setups for our life something happens in your life you go oh man I can't believe I just lost this job I didn't get this promotion that person broke my heart and they broke up with me and you look at that as a setback in your life but honestly it's just God orchestrating things around to set you up for where he really wants you Again, he has a perfect plan, but he also has perfect timing. God uses these setbacks, certainly in Joseph's life, to mold him, prepare him for what he's about to become, and to connect him with the right people. And so there comes the chief baker, and here comes the cupbearer. These high officials in in Pharaoh's little little political group, they say that hindsight is 20-20, right? when you look back and you can see how that move or that lost job or that missed promotion it actually puts you in the right place. What's happening is that God is actually getting Joseph closer to the next step. We can read chapter 50 of Genesis, and we can look back through all the chapters, back to chapter 37, and see, wow, God, look at how he was weaving this whole story together. Joseph is 28 years old at this moment when he's interpreting these dreams. It's not till he's uh, maybe uh, in his 40s, that he actually meets his brothers for the first time since they sold him as a slave. And there's certainly a moment in chapter 50 when he sees his dad again. But you don't see that from chapter 37. And that becomes difficult part of our journey, is that we don't, ha- we don't have the access yet to chapter 50 of our life, if you would. We don't see the reconciliations happening or the doors that are opening or the the place that God is really kind of inching you towards right now, but you can't see it yet because you had another setback. yet another moment in your life you're like, gosh, this happened too? I can't believe that this is going on. And yet God is just orchestrating and setting it all up. How different would our lives be if we actually took God's word to heart when it tells us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And do not lean on what? Your own stupid thinking. (laughs) My own dumb way of thinking. Oh, this is a bad thing. It might prove to be the greatest freaking thing in your life. It might be the most important connection with another human being in your life because you just so happen to meet them. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe, like, this random meeting. I met this person. Tammy and I look back at our lives when we moved down south, when we were young kids with a toddler and, a you know, Tammy was pregnant, and, 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 and we go to this big church of 30,000 people where I was going to the school of ministry at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and we're just like, where should we sit? We're like, why don't we just sit in this pew way in the back in case he's long winded today and we can bail out? And there we sit right next to what was going to become our kids' best friends for life. Well, uh, well, Christian wasn't born yet, but I'm sure, you know, at that moment he was like, you know, he got excited. Like all of a sudden we meet this family. You know, it just became, we look back at, how instrumental they were a part of our journey, us in their lives as well. At this random kind of moment, you go, like, here we are just sitting at this church service, and wow, we just connected and met up. Little things like not getting a job. I could look back at times that I wanted so badly a job that they were offering at people's church, but GL just didn't want to leave his role. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was like another position. <laughs> I didn't have enough suits and ties, apparently, but it was another position that I I felt like they were getting ready, and I was like, oh, this is a dream job. This would be the best job I could ever have. Lord, please open this door up. Well, they didn't hire me. They hired somebody else. But it was that move. I look back, I'm like, man, that would have been disastrous. It would have, it would have hindered our ability to do what we did, moving away for seven years, and all that God did in our lives through that move, and the people we met, and the connections that we had. Sometimes setbacks are just really a setup, man. God is doing something, and you and I need to trust him for it. He's getting you closer. You can see that he's orchestrating. We all have a chapter 50 in our life, like Joseph does, so just hang on his, from his view at 28. It's hard to see. I look at one pastor, David Guzik, he said, God was in the steps and the stops of Joseph's life. Think about that. Those steps moving forward and that, wait, you need to hold. Oh, you're going you're to be in prison. Not a conversation. Could we speed it up a little bit, Lord? No, next chapter, two more years. Here he is in prison. So they tell him their dreams. Joseph uses his gift to interpret them. Cupbearer says, here's what it means. Three days, you'll be back. Remember me. The baker's like, dude, that's awesome. I can't wait to tell him my dream. (laughs) Joseph, faithful to deliver the message. Faithful to deliver the message. It's hard to be honest with people, isn't it? Tell them what they need to hear. But he's faithful to deliver a message of judgment as well as deliverance. There's times we avoid sharing truth with somebody because it might be offensive to them but it might be exactly what they need to hear. Certainly the church uh, has, has, has cowered in the face of public opinion over the last decades, where, it, where the church has been afraid, and I use the church in broad terms, afraid to speak truth, like there is a real heaven, there's a real hell. God has offered eternal life to all who would call upon Him. But if you reject him, you don't get a second chance. Your choice that you make for Jesus Christ on earth is forever cemented in heaven in eternity. And we've got to be careful that we don't shy away. The good news of Jesus Christ is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. But there's also bad news. We've all sinned against the holy God and each one of us deserves his judgment for all eternity because of our sin. Joseph's like, sorry to tell you, man, but you should probably get some things straight now because in three days, you're going to be hanging from a tree like a pirate. That's what's happening to you. I'd imagine as Joseph waited around, I wonder if I'm going to see the cupbearer coming around. Hey, come on. I talked to Pharaoh for you. Weeks go by. Months go by. Year one goes by. More discouragement. All the cruel treatment from his family, falsely accused of sexual assault, stuck in prison again that they say is the pit. Though he has favor and he's shining like a bright light, this cupbearer doesn't remember him, doesn't tell anybody about him. How long do I need to suffer? I wonder if he thought. How long do I need to be forgotten about? How long do I need to wait for the Lord to fulfill the dreams of raising me up that I had when I was a teenager? Discouraged but he overcomes discouragement. Remember that no matter what you are going through, God is with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. And this setback is really a setup. He learned that also vain is the help of man, Proverbs tells us. Sometimes we lean on people and they disappoint us. You think that they're going to come through for you and they don't. He learned that it's the Lord the one that he needs to keep his eyes upon. Sometimes in the struggles of life, we're looking to the wrong people, right? And maybe it's time to just press him with the Lord. People will let us down, but it's really him that we need. We see in his response too, again, we get another glimpse that Joseph isn't bitter. He says, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. There's no pity party for him or his trials. He didn't back off from his faith. He continued to trust in God, continued to believe God, and yet he was there for two more years. Here's a a third and final sort of lesson, I guess, in overcoming discouragement, is that we can see that God has purpose in the delays of life. You you might feel right now you're like, I'm stuck. I, I I, I can't seem to get moving in the direction that I really want my life to go in. Or you're waiting. You're waiting for God to move. You yourself are ready and willing to uh, reconcile with somebody that you care about, you want to get reconnected with, but they're not in that spot yet, right? You're waiting for the next move, and you, Lord, I feel you calling me to go and do this. You go talk to a counselor and says, it's going to be $150,000 of student loan and 10,000 years of more education. You're waiting. <laughs> you're waiting. You're in this waiting game. God, when is it going to come this relief and this new step and this new open door. God is in the middle working in the delays that you experience in life. God is working. What good can come from the waiting? A lot when we look back in life. A lot when we look back in life, right? There's purpose in the delays. You learn to trust in Him and not you making it happen. You can't fix it. You can't make it happen. Joseph couldn't just get himself out of prison. The delays keep me from trusting in myself, my strength, and my confidence in my own self. And really, it turns it to the Lord. God, I'm trusting in your plans for my life. And certainly, Joseph needed to learn this lesson because one Day he's going to make the moves and decisions that are going to affect the known world at the time to save nations because of his wisdom, and he will know without a doubt it was the hand of God that did it. And sometimes you and I need those moments of delay to say, God, it's, it's actually going to be all about you. His faith grows, right? There'll be no doubt about it. I think sometimes we think that we're a little bit more in charge than we, than, than we are. Like, man, I'm a, I'm a mover and a shaker. I can make things happen, right? You can't even keep breathing without God making your body just breathe on its own, right? You'll forget to breathe. There's a story about a mouse and an elephant that went across the bridge, and as they made it to the other side, the mouse looks at the elephant and said, man, we really shook that thing, didn't we? You'll get it in a second. <laughs> you realize that, man... God is the one that is the one who opens doors, closes doors, gives you favor, gives me favor. And you go, God, I'm really more dependent upon you than I actually know, and I'm grateful for that. Sometimes God allows those delays to happen in our life so that we learn those kinds of things, right? That's what Joseph was learning. We also develop character that only comes when we have some difficult pressure over a certain amount of time. We get a strength, right? A diamond forms, we've been told. A piece of coal that did well under pressure. That's what a diamond is. Paul tells us in Romans 5, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says we rejoice when we go through problems and trials because there is an outcome that comes in your life, strength of character, endurance, the ability to actually see all that God is for your life and in your life. Lord, I want a stronger life. Lord, I want some of the flaws removed that don't reflect you you got to go through some struggles then and some trials if you want to emerge like that. I used to be a a trainer at Fresno Racket Time, and I was a personal trainer around town uh, uh, way back in the day. And people come to me and say, like, I really want to be in shape. I really want to be lean. And then I had to be like Joseph and to say, in three days you'll be not in a good spot. (laughs) I want to be a bodybuilder. Oh, I'm like, no, you don't. You don't want to suffer enough. You want to show you a picture on, we didn't have phones at that time, but like they'd open up a magazine. Hey, I want my abs to look like this. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. It's no fun anyways, right? You want wine and Captain Crunch at night. (laughs) (laughs) Just right in there. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be that in shape. If God wants to grow an oak tree, takes 20 to 25 years. If it wants to grow a squash, three months. Lord, I want to be strong. I want to have a strength about my life that could support other people. you got to go through trials, and you need to have some delays. Had Joseph been released, he would have missed the greatest comeback story that we read about, I think, in literature. He's on the edge of something so amazing, this insignificant Hebrew kid. To become the most significant figure that will accomplish an extraordinary work. The wait is worth it. Don't try to get ahead of God. Here's something else. Is that he's still working on the rest of the cast for the story being written about his life. And he's orchestrating it all. His brothers aren't ready for reconciliation. Pharaoh's not ready. He doesn't have this, this situation arising where there's a famine on the way. The land wasn't ready for this massive, uh, fruitful, seven-year period of time. The land wasn't ready, and the skies weren't ready for the drought that was to follow. And Joseph's not ready either. That's how we look and say God is in the delays of life. There's an inward work that God does in us that he wants to do in you, and it's going to take time. God is in the delays of life. I want this job. I want to meet my spouse. I want to get pregnant and have a child. I want to adopt a child. I want to move to a different city. I want to get reconnected with that loved one. And there's delays. And God's in the middle of that working in our lives. I love what one author says, Warren Rearsby. He says, God prepares us for what he is preparing for us. God prepares us for what he's preparing for for us, in life. And there's an inward work happening in this delayed period where Joseph's still stuck in prison. Remember that God is in the pit with you. What looks like a setback is really a setup, and he's in the delays. Joseph overcame discouragement. We can overcome discouragement while we're waiting on God. The Lord remained first in his life, even though he couldn't see the Lord's ultimate plan. He kept being faithful and trusting in the Lord, and that's how he overcame discouragement. Can I ask you a question? Do you feel discouraged this morning? Do you feel like you've been abandoned even by the Lord? You almost feel like you're in a prison of discouragement in your life. Do you have a setback happening right now? Something is going wrong in your life. Job recently lost. New position Something's not working the way you planned it out. You know what I mean? That January 1st morning, you had your coffee, you're like, man, you start seeing. I'm going to see a victory, right? And that victory is going to look different in your life. Here we are, March 1st. We all have setbacks, but God is working. And he's certainly working in the delays. Again, the verse, Romans 8, 28. Tuck it away in your heart this week. Meditate on it this week and today. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This promise is for those who belong to him. Maybe today you need some prayer. Let someone pray with you. We got a team on both sides of the room that ha- during our last song of worship and they stick around after the service is over to pray with you and for you. Or maybe today we think about your, your, your journey in your own life and, 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 and maybe today's a day that you need to surrender to him. You know, God often uses pain and struggle to get our attention so that we actually will go, man, I need God in my life. I need a Savior. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not certain that that you even know God or have a personal relationship with Him. Maybe for you, Christianity is just like a a list of do's and don'ts, and, and it's just another form of a religion, just a little bit, you know, less dressy. Christianity is about a human being created by God being brought back into a relationship with God. All of us have sinned. All of us have broken God's commands. That's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago, so that he could not only live a life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, but he could ultimately give his life up for us on the cross. And when our Savior hung on the cross, he absorbed all of the sins, all the wrath that sin deserved, that you've committed, that I've committed, that have ever been committed or will be committed in this world. Jesus took that sin upon himself. The Bible says that God made him who never sinned to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Maybe today's a day for you to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I'm I, I, recognizing that I need you. Maybe you've been running from him. Can I tell you to stop and come to him today? The one who conquered sin and death for us on the cross offers you eternal life so that you can be forgiven and so that he can be with you on your own journey through life and help you through the struggles and difficulties that you have faced and that you will face. Face. You come to him today. Come to him today. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's for everybody. God loves each and every one of you. Loves you dearly. He's with you in these discouraging moments. But maybe you're that one that says, today's the day I'm gonna to surrender to him. I need Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I wanna begin a relationship with him. You could do that right now. Would you all pray with me now? Father, thank you for your love. And Lord, we thank you once again for this beautiful story of grace, mercy, Lord, how you have worked in Joseph's young life. God brought him to a place where he was ready to forgive, ready to be used by you. And Lord, each one of us, we have our own journey, our own story. Lord, it's not about comparing difficulties, trials. Lord, we all hurt, we all suffer, we're all wronged in life. We all have a moment where we have to decide that God, we're gonna choose to trust in you and continue to believe in you even when we feel like being bitter and trying to get even with others. So Lord, I pray for my friends that are going through the prison of discouragement right now. Lord, they're stuck there. Would you bless them? Would you let them know that you're with them? Your love, your steadfast love, is 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 with them, Lord. Your favor is upon their life, God. Let us see how you are working this beautiful story together in our own lives, God. That you cause all things to work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, and Lord.